Hello and welcome to the week eight rest of season top 150 show. My name is Adam Levitan. Each and every Wednesday we are here to discuss, you guessed it, our rest of season top 150 rankings and how that plays into the season long trade market, perhaps rest of season best ball markets, buy lows, sell highs, etc. For this exercise today, I'm joined by two members of our projections team, Mark Denkenbring and Jack Miller. Mark, how's it going today? Going well. We're NBA tipped off last night and we had a couple good games to open up the NBA season. And then after this pod, I'll, I'll be working on NBA projections for tonight. We've got a nice, healthy 12 game slate. So uh, the grind is upon us, baby. Overlap season is here. Overlap season is here. If you are into the NBA, you want to play DFS, you want to look at props, et cetera, et cetera. It's really hard to do it without help. A lot of help. It is so overwhelming. You can check out everything we do on the NBA side on the subscribe tab. Jack, how's it going today? Going well. You know, I'm a, a pretty casual NBA fan, but I am excited to watch Victor Wembanyama tonight. Um, but even more excited to be here and then talk rest of season rankings. So yes, how could you not be? Each week we do a rest of season top 150. We put a ton of work into this. this is not some BS list that we're messing around with. You can get access to our rest of season top 150 rankings through DraftKit Pro or the in-season package. Be sure you stay tuned to the end of this show. We'll throw out some trade slash transaction ideas we have, and we will also be taking some of your listener questions from Twitter. All right. Oh, by the way, if you do not have our in-season package yet, we have reduced the rest of season price to reflect that we are roughly halfway through the season. Can check that out on the NFL subscribe tab. Speaking of rest of season, speaking of getting about halfway through the NFL's trade deadline is October 31st. And one thing that I have noticed over the last, I don't know, one, two, three years, there is way more activity in the NFL trade market than there ever was before. In previous generations of the NFL, teams just didn't trade. It just like wasn't a thing. The NFL trade deadline was boring. Nothing ever happened. Even in the offseason, there weren't any real big trades, hardly ever outside of really draft night. There have been, though, a bunch of big-time trades Recently, you know, we saw A.J. Brown get traded. We saw all kinds of guys get traded. This trade deadline, people seem to be throwing around a lot of names. We'll see what can get done. So I just thought it was an important exercise for us to talk about preparing our season-long rosters for the trade deadline. One thing that I have been doing is stashing Marvin Mims where I can because there are the rumors around Jerry Judy and Corlton Sutton are hot. I think that Jerry Judy is way easier to trade than Corlin Sutton. Corlin Sutton already has his second contract that he is on right now. I'm not sure he's necessarily worthy of that, although he's been fine, I think, this year. Jerry Judy is the one who's still on his rookie deal, fifth-year option next year. Not a lot of risk if you trade for Jerry Judy. Seems to me that teams think he's worth a third-round pick, maybe a fourth-round pick, considering you'll have to pay him at some point very soon also. There's a ton of other guys, too, though, but yeah, Mark, what do you think about stashing here on the Denver side? There's certainly been a lot of smoke around Judy and Sutton. Yeah, and, and this has gone back to the offseason, too, of, of potentially these guys getting moved. So I do think stashing Mims there is a solid option. Um, you know, I think when when kind of thinking about who might get traded, it's better to look at teams that, you know, aren't aren't pushing for the playoffs and are looking to sell off potential assets. And Denver, obviously hits that mark. I think when looking at teams, you know, we can think of like the bears, maybe they, maybe with Deontay Foreman playing well, maybe they like trade him to a contender. 
so kind of look at te- my, my thought process is look at teams that have a few guys at certain positions and potentially young guys, you know, banging on the door, trying to get, get more of a workload, get more snaps, get more reps and, and, and kind of stash guys behind them as well. You know, like teams like the Cardinals have been rumored uh, to, to be yeah. in the trade market. I'm not sure if, if they'll be selling, but uh, it's, cer- it's certainly interesting. And, you know, the trade le- deadline is on Halloween. So a week from, you know, yesterday. And uh, right. so we might not get trades before this weekend, but it, it's certainly something to monitor over the next week. I, I have an interesting one for you guys. There has been a lot of rumors around Devonte Adams uh, getting traded, unhappy, doesn't want to be there, is very expensive. This team is going nowhere with him predictably. We have heard a lot of rumors about that. We also have heard a lot of rumors about Hunter Renfro getting traded. Hunter Renfro has effectively been phased out of this offense. For deep leaguers out there or dynasty leaguers, Trey Tucker to me, is someone you could put on your roster and wait to see if something happens here. I also think Michael Mayer, and we talked a ton about Michael Mayer yesterday on the waiver show, but I do think there could be more room for Michael Mayer down the stretch if this team goes into a full sell. Other bigger names that I think have a chance, Marquise Brown is in a similar spot to Judy where he's uh, still on his rookie contract and is a very good NFL wide receiver. If the Cardinals want to trade him, I think that's very viable. Dalvin Cook, I think is a guy that could get traded. Um, Jets quickly realize that Dalvin Cook is dust, but there are still some dolts out there who think a big name still equates to a good player. Maybe Dalvin Cook can get moved. And then the big one, Jack, is the Tennessee stuff because now they've traded Kevin Bayard. And we talked about this with Silva yesterday, but to me, that sets up the floodgates. You know, Ryan Tannehill is hurt. They're probably going to start Will Levis this week. It's going to get ugly here. You have aging veterans with value, such as Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Ryan Tannehill, who could get traded. So to me, Tashi Spears is a no-brainer to keep on your roster through this trade deadline. Any other Tennessee thoughts here, Jack? Yeah, I think Tajay Spears is, is the obvious one here. Um, I think it's fair to question how valuable that role would actually be if they're starting Will Levis for a significant portion of the season um, and, and they're selling off all of their good players. Like how... What is the touchdown upside for Tajay Spears if Derrick Henry gets traded? It's probably not very high, but he'd still be in for a massive workload uh, from a touches standpoint. We know that they trust him in the past game. They've been expanding his role uh, as a runner. So, I mean, I, he's owned in all leagues at this point regardless, but I think that trying to get him on your roster for cheap makes sense um, in anticipation of a potential Henry trade at the deadline. Um but yeah, I I don't think it, we're looking at like a top five running back if Henry gets traded, but certainly someone who could be startable on touch volume alone. You know, thinking about what teams could actually trade for Derek Ernie, he is not cheap, right? I mean, Tennessee might have to pay a lot of his salary to whoever gets him, but I know Ravens could be an idea for Derek Henry if they're really going for it. And I think that they are and should be really going for it. So yeah, any other teams you think that would make sense for Derek Henry, Mark? I mean, it's not easy to trade for such an expensive aging running back, but he's such an outlier. I feel like it could actually get done. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know off top of the head, like with the, the pipeline from Titans to Eagles, like obviously it seems like they figured it out a little bit with Deandre Swift, but you know, potentially if, if they could get Henry cheaper, I think that's something they could be interested in. I mean, talk about a team that could just absolutely sit on leads and, and, uh, ice the game with Derrick Henry. I think that that would be interesting. Um, you know, if, if the Browns continue to play well, they, they continue to have backfield injuries to deal with. Maybe they could get Derrick Henry for the rest of the season. But again, uh, some some uh, 
some not some so great things going on there with Deshaun Watson. So um, I don't know, not not too many. T- I, I feel like the teams that are in the race, you know, have decent running back situations already. So it's it's no. I think Baltimore yeah. for sure is, is the top option for sure. Okay. We now have a ton of teams that have had their buy. And so if you looked at the rest of season top 150 rankings, we are factoring in teams that have had their buy. Obviously, these players are more valuable going forward. They don't have to miss a game. Mark, when we're doing the rest of season top 150, maybe you can tell the people how you factor in, how how big of a factor you think it is when talking about trades when guys have already had their buy. In our rankings, it's mostly used as a tiebreaker, kind of if there's a guy in, in a pack of players or that uh, you know has already had their buy, then we'll likely move them up towards the top of that pack just because obviously it makes it a little easier rest of the season to know you can plug them in your lineup every week. So it's mostly used as a tiebreaker rather than like uh, jumping up a full tier necessarily. Um, in terms of teams and how I think people should evaluate you know players that have already had buys or not like I, I think it a little bit depends on you on your raw on your record and roster construction if you're you know sitting pretty and look locked into the playoffs I don't think players with buys remaining uh take too much of a hit you know to your like rest of season outlook if, if you have a lot of players with buys in weeks nine and ten I think it's fine to kind of hold on to those guys but if you're really scraping for wins and, and need wins in weeks nine ten eleven um, I know week 13 is a huge bye week. Like if, if you need wins, then I think potentially selling off those guys to get to get players who have had buys in weeks five, six, seven um, is an interesting strategy. But it is a little nuanced depending on your record and roster construction. To, I just want to highlight two things on that. First, Dallas has already had their buy. And I feel like people are panicking on their offense. And they have such a soft schedule coming up. I thought that was an interesting one. And also Tennessee for Taji Spears and Traylon Burks on top of all the trade deadline stuff, Tennessee has also already had their buy. Another team that's had their buy that I think we could probably buy on right now. If you believe in them, Jack is the Cincinnati Bengals. So, you know, the Joe Burrow stuff, obviously the first month was really ugly. I thought the last two games before the buy, he actually looked almost back to himself. Maybe still taking a ton out of shotgun, but almost back to himself. And now you have a long week off the bye for T Higgins to get right for Joe Burrow to get right. Maybe Joe Mixon can find the fountain of youth during this buy. I highly doubt it, but still this Bengals stuff strikes me as an interesting time to buy on them. Jack, what do you think about Bengals who again, have already had their buy? Yeah, I think so. Especially on uh, T Higgins because he had a very strong target share early in the season, low to mid 20%, even though he was competing with Jamar Chase, he's coming off a game in which, he was very clearly limited. He had, I think, 22 routes on 36 Joe Burrow dropbacks. Um, and then the big thing, as you mentioned, is Burrow has two weeks off, or a week off, two weeks between games to rest his calf. So I, I think Higgins is going to be full go coming off the bye. And then the hope is that the Bengals can refine the offensive firepower they had last year. And, and the bye week is a, a huge reason to believe that Burrow is going to be 100% going forward. I, I think one thing about when you're trading with buys it's not like you get a zero when a guy has a buy, right? We have bench players. We put guys in our lineup. We're still going to get points. So if your bench is reasonably strong, you can trade for a guy who hasn't had his buy yet way, way, way more comfortably um, than you could otherwise. 
I think that's a great point. And and in like 10 team and shallower leagues, it's a lot easier to replace guys on buys. Whereas deeper leagues, 12, 14 team leagues with deeper benches, I think it becomes harder. So again, like the situation of your league and roster, I think matters a lot here. There are some leagues that have uh, playoffs during week 14. I don't know why the NFL did this, you know, just thumbing their nose at the fantasy community, but there are two teams on a buy in week 14. The Arizona Cardinals and the Washington Commanders both have a buy in week 14. You need to check your league. If you have playoffs in week 14, anyone on the Commanders, anyone on the Cardinals is going to be way, 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 way worse, obviously. So, um, yeah, just a little alpha there for people to be aware of. Okay. Oh, rookie wide receivers I wanted to talk about who broke out uh, in week seven. Talk about their rest of season outlook, how to handle. With DK Metcalf out. I didn't think that Jackson Smith and Jigba's role changed that much. He still mostly only played in three wide receiver sets. It was Jake Bobo, Steve from Florida, who uh, who who was the one-for-one one replacement in terms of usage on the Seahawks. However, however, JSN did show that he can get down the field, which he wasn't doing when DK Metcalf was in there, and he's still running route on 80-plus percent of the dropbacks from Geno Smith. So Mark, what did you think of JSN's first game here without DK Metcalf? And how would you handle him if you had JSN on your team right now? I think the outcome was probably a little better than, than the usage might indicate, as you mentioned with Jake Bobo running more routes than JSN. I think that is something I was not anticipating being a factor with like, uh, you know, looking at JSN's upside would be factoring in Jake Bobo and him potentially playing more snaps and, and being a solid rookie wide receiver himself. Um, I think with JSN, not, not too much has changed in my opinion, honestly, I, I think DK Metcalf is more likely to play this upcoming week than not. Um, you know, Seattle does have a, a decently tough upcoming schedule with a couple games against the 49ers left. Uh, they also play Dallas, you know, they have a few tough defensive schedules uh, upcoming. So, I mean, I, I think JSN is still mostly like a bench stash and, and if DK or Lockett suffer more of a long-term injury, then he's more valuable. But I think, you know, moving forward projection wise, at least he kind of reverts back to the 15, 16% target share, which is between five and six targets a game, which, you know, just it is, is tough margins to, to feel good about having yeah. upside in fantasy. So but, I think still mostly a stash. The, the only pushback I'd have on that is that, it is very clear that rookie wide receivers in the last five, six weeks of the season start to hit their stride. And so I don't think I want to say with definitive with definitiveness that JSN is only going to earn 12, 13, 14, 15% of the targets the rest of the season. Maybe he can start earning targets at the expense of Metcalf and Lockett at a higher rate. It's not a great bet because Metcalf and Lockett are both so good, but it's at least something to consider in the range of outcomes that he could start getting a little better. But yeah, totally agree with what Mark said. I think it's an interesting time to try to sell JSN if you need help right now. You could try to sell them on, look how good he was. Metcalf is still banged up. He's a rookie. He could start to be better down the stretch. I think that's at least an idea. The other rookie who broke out in a big way, who there's absolutely no way that you could acquire via trade right now because he did it on an island game. He did it against the 49ers is Jordan Addison who absolutely went off. And so this was kind of, the idea, right? Without Justin Jefferson, who can actually be the number one wide receiver? People were like, how could you guys not want to add KJ Osborne as much as you want to add Jordan Addison? KJ Osborne's an NFL player. I mean, 
the talent gap between Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne is massive. I think we're seeing that now. Meanwhile, though, we are getting good reports on Justin Jefferson's hamstring. Sounds like as soon as he's off IR, he should be able to get back. We ticked him up six spots up to 29th overall. Justin Jefferson in the rest season top 150. Jordan Addison is at 46 overall. So a lot of moving parts here, Jack, on Vikings wide receiver. If you had Jordan Addison now, you might be able to get a lot for him. I don't know. What do you think about handling Jordan Addison right now? Yeah, I think Addison is pretty likely to be a fantasy starter the rest of the season. In the next two weeks, he's he's obviously going to be, be a smash uh, without Justin Jefferson. But I do wonder about the ceiling once Jefferson is back because TJ Hawkinson's not going anywhere. Jefferson's going to command a high 20s target share. The Vikings do throw at a, a 5% pass rate over expectation. So Addison's still going to get his fair share of targets. But I, I don't think that there's room for him to be like a top 10, top 12 wide receiver while Jefferson and Hawkinson are both healthy. And like you said, there was po- Kevin O'Connell had a positive quote on Justin Jefferson actually coming back uh, once he's eligible to. The Vikings won, the Lions lost. So it doesn't look like it's going to be a lost season yet for the Vikings. They're still kind of in the mix for the NFC North, which um, would, would indicate that Jefferson's going to come back if he's able. So I think Jordan Addison is a terrific player, averaging over nine yards per target, 22% target share last week, even though he missed part of the game. Um, Very clearly a a very talented wide receiver. But in terms of the fantasy ceiling, um, I don't know if he has like top 10 rest of season upside with Jefferson potentially coming back. I think he's more of a more of a wide receiver two um, type guy with with just volume getting squeezed. Yeah, I mean. If you're deep and a lot of people who have uh, Jordan Addison are likely deep, you could get like Brandon Ayuk or Devonta Smith or Chris Olave or something like that for Jordan Addison. Um, I'd probably be making that move. We need to do our weekly Miami segment, Mark, because everybody wants pieces of the Miami offense. I want pieces of the Miami offense, which is why I have a ton of Jeff Wilson bags, which are feeling very, very heavy right now after he's seemingly has been healthy for the last two weeks week six was a healthy scratch effectively a healthy scratch i thought week seven he's active but he plays behind salvan ahmed which isn't great especially with devon achan getting closer and closer to coming back so we do have four miami running backs listed in the top 150 here ahmed and wilson are at the very very back end just because obviously if something happens to mostert if achan doesn't get back any running back associated with this offense is going to have a lot of value. But yeah, Mark, what are you thinking about Miami running back stuff right now, rest of season? I think Jeff Wilson is is pretty much buried right now. We could probably drop him out of the top 115. I think you can reasonably drop him from your teams just because Salvan Ahmed did play ahead of him again. Ahmed played 38% of the snaps. Wilson only 15% in this last game against Philadelphia. Raheem Mostert still played over 50% of the snaps there and looks like you know the lead back. So think Wilson and, and Ahmed and then we have Achan you know it, it's pretty much confirmed that he's going to come back when he's eligible off IR in week 11 so Miami has their buy in week 10 you basically have weeks eight and nine to use these Miami running backs until Achan comes back so I, I think at this point you know you could if you need the roster spot I think Jeff Wilson is droppable Ahmed I'm a little more interested in stashing just in case anything did happen to Mostert this week he's also you know a, a relatively like decent super deep league uh, flex play if you needed it uh, because he's out there getting snaps. So um, yeah, I mean, I, and then I think HN is is still a great trade candidate to stash for the end of season 
run. But I will mention too, Miami has a really tough playoff schedule, which I think we hit on last week. They get the Jets, Cowboys, and Ravens, who have mm-hmm. been you know, three of the best defenses in the NFL. So it's it's I think it's an interesting time to sell still a little bit, um, just because everyone wants a piece of this offense, like you said. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I did want to stay on that point for a second here, Jack. Hopefully, a lot of people listening to this are six and one. Seven and two, seven, uh, seven and oh, five and two. There's moves to make when you have such a high probability of being in the playoffs, right? And like you can do things that teams are scrapping can't. Obviously, something like Devon Achan, if a team is desperate, you should be trying to get Devon Achan from that team if you have a really good team right now. Jack, any other ideas on players or things that you could do if you have a really good team right now? Yeah, I mean, the, the injured guys are the ones that come to mind for me first. HN, we mentioned, Justin Jefferson, we just talked about. Someone like David Montgomery, too, um, where even though Jameer Gibbs has done all right uh, in, in Montgomery's absence, Dan Campbell's quotes have been very bullish on Montgomery as the lead back, and he's a threat to score two or three touchdowns anytime he steps on the field. Um, beyond that, I think the guys we talked about earlier, like, like a Tajay Spears, as well as the rookie receivers, like someone like Tank Dell, maybe uh, Jackson Smith and Jig, but if you need production now, you could sell JSN. But if you want production for weeks 15 through 17, um, I think JSN's a, a definite candidate for that. So just our, just kind of the archetype of players who we can't expect them to be fantasy starters right now. Um, but you can logically imagine how five weeks from now, seven weeks from now, they're going to be um, in line for more volume undoubtedly mark anything to add for good teams here we ready to move on i well i looked at the playoff schedules a bit just to highlight any teams that have some of the best uh you know defensive matchups in in weeks 15 through 17 and i came away with four teams that i think have three like really plus matchups in, in every week uh this is just alphabetical order no no uh, you know, real ranking here, but Atlanta gets Carolina in uh, Indianapolis and Chicago, Dallas gets Buffalo, which, you know, seems, seems a little tough, but Buffalo's defense has really fallen off with losing Matt Milano, Tredavious white. Uh, they lost Daquan Jones as well in the defensive line. I think that game could be a shootout. And then Dallas also gets Miami and Detroit. Like those three games could all easily be shootouts. Detroit has an amazing schedule. I think David Montgomery is, is a great like potential buy low uh, on injury right now. They mm-hmm. get Denver at Minnesota, at Dallas again, three potential shootouts there. Um, and then Green Bay also does have a good playoff schedule and has passed thereby. They get Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Minnesota. So um, I think those four teams, if if you're leaning towards trading for one of those players, I think I think their playoff schedules, you know, look really favorable. Uh, there's some mega tilted Bijan Robinson owners out there. I mean, mega tilted. And they're not as tilted as the Bijan Robinson prop betting over bros who are just, I mean, my God. But the Bijan Robinson season-long bros are likely tilted as well. Mark just talked about Atlanta's playoff schedule. We still have Bijan 16th overall. I mean, the dude was sick. Like, I don't think last week really speaks anything to what is Bijan Robinson's rest of season outlook, you know? And so, like, I'd rather have Bijan than Saquon Barkley, for sure. I'd rather have Bijan than Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift. I'd rather have Bijan than even someone as good as Puka Nakua at this point. So yeah, especially with that playoff schedule, I think Bijan is an interesting one to buy low on. Quarterback position has gotten really bad here. I mean, there were leagues where I had fields, 
I had Deshaun Watson, I had Daniel Jones, I had Kirk Cousins. And like, it's not a big deal because I just stream, right? Like I stream in Stroud or I stream in Purdy or I stream in Jared Goof or something like that if he's at home. You know, it's, it's, it's not that big a deal, but there is a big teardrop here. And I think that's something to highlight, Mark. If you're a good team, there aren't usually quarterback trades in single quarterback leagues. But if you're a good team, you don't have an elite quarterback right now. It's an interesting time to maybe package your depth and try to get some because this hurts Lamar, Allen, Mahomes to me are on a tier unto themselves. And then Herbert, Burrow, Tua, Lawrence are in a tier. Herbert's probably a bit ahead there. But after that, it's like streamers. So getting to me one of the top four hurts Lamar, Allen, Mahomes, especially if you're in a 10, 8, 10, or even 12 team league makes sense to me. Anything else actionable on this whole quarterback dichotomy that's going on in fantasy right now, Mark? It is seemingly very tier based. Yeah, I've been I've been scrambling a bit in a handful of leagues just because you know I kind of went into the season drafting like two of Anthony Richardson, Daniel Jones, Sam Howell, Geno Smith. You know those those types of guys trying to mix and match, and it hasn't worked out as as well as I'd hope. And yeah, the elite quarterbacks are starting to separate a bit, and now I'm looking each week like do I want to start Sam Howell against the Eagles this week not really so I've been looking at the waiver wire and potential trade candidates of who I could get that through through the rest of the season you know I, I at least feel okay about starting them every week and I came up with three guys that I think are solid uh Dak Prescott you know we mentioned trading for Dallas guys I think Dak is a good one they're chasing down Philly in the NFC East and um, I mentioned they have a favorable playoff schedule. You know, we've seen kind of these wonky games from them where the offense really hasn't had to put up much points. I think Dak is a decent candidate right now to be a QB one the rest of the way. Uh, CJ Stroud, I think, is an interesting candidate. They they do get Tennessee twice in the playoffs, which has been a, a massive pass funnel. They've they're starting to sell off players as well. So I think CJ Stroud has a, a solid rest of season outlook. Again, rookie quarterback who's who's been playing great. And now off the bye with, you know, decent weapons as well. I think Stroud is solid. And then I will mention Jared Goff as well, I think is decent to be a QB one the rest of the way, just because all three games of, of the play of the fantasy playoffs, they play in a dome. Uh, they get Denver at home, great matchup at Minnesota and then at Dallas. So mm-hmm. I think Goff is like solid for, you know, weekly floor. And then if you run into a three touchdown game, Goff is going to be a, a solid quarterback. Just wanted to reiterate on the quarterback subject. I do think that Kyler Murray is either going to play in week nine or week 10. Um, Kyler Murray has the ability to get into the top or second tier of the quarterback position if he is as mobile as he was before, um, if they keep Marquise Brown, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that holding Kyler Murray, you can probably hold him on your IR spot right now and wait and see what happens. I think is an interesting one to do. Um, do you want to get to your questions and our moves to make? Wanted to hit two more things here. Start with the commander's backfield. I mean, Brian Robinson is a volume-based back, a touchdown-based back. Cannot afford to be losing work to Chris Rodriguez. I don't have a great feel for what's going on there, but I feel like it's almost panic time on Brian Robinson, Jack, would you be selling low on him right now? Um, I'm not even sure what you could get at this point. We have him down to 90th overall in the top 150. Yeah, I do think it's panic time on Brian Robinson. He has scored a touchdown the last two weeks. So I think maybe if people see that he hasn't, you know, had two goose eggs in a row, then you could get something for him. But for a guy that's 
so dependent on uh, getting a massive number of carries, being on a bad team and now splitting your carries with Chris Robinson is pretty much a death blow. He's had his two lowest backfield rushing shares of the season over the past two weeks. Um, 44.4% design carry share for the commanders against the Giants. So it's just pretty brutal when he only has a 5.5% target share. He has been uh, he has been propped up a little bit by his receiving efficiency. I don't think we can expect that to con- continue. Um, he scored a couple receiving touchdowns. That's pretty unsustainable for a guy that's only having a 5.5% target share. So Chris Rodriguez um, was also pretty efficient last week. So uh, yeah, I think for Robinson, it's, it's pretty much over. Um, and I'd get what you can for him, to be honest. Ugh. God. I will say, I mean, he's, he's still the running back 10 overall in, in half PPR. Uh, so while it seems like things have been really bad, like not no. necessarily in points per game, but just in total points. Like I, I think Brian Robinson is, I think people would still buy him. Uh, you know, I don't think people are super clued into yeah. to this Chris Rodriguez. Even. Yeah. He's been great. If it wasn't for Chris Rodriguez, I'd still feel pretty good about having having Brian Robinson. So yeah, certainly watching that one. The other running back situation I want to touch on, Mark, was JT versus Zach Moss. We have JT 30th overall and Zach Moss 105th. Obviously, just like everyone else, we expect Jonathan Taylor to start to separate from Zach Moss. It's been roughly even the last couple of weeks since JT has been back. But again, given Jonathan Taylor's talent, given the money that he had, expecting him to start to separate there. To me, though, this defense is bad and Gardner Minshew is willing to sling it and, and, and is willing to, they're willing to let him throw it a ton and he throws the running back a ton too. And obviously you don't get the Anthony Richardson tush push rushing touchdown stuff. And so I really like a lot of these guys. I, I, I love Anthony Richardson, but I think Jonathan Taylor is way better with Gardner Minshew. Josh Downs is way better with Gardner Minshew. Michael Pittman, I even think is better with Gardner Minshew. So yeah, I don't know what, you would have to give up to get Jonathan Taylor right now. Probably a lot if people have been holding him this long, but yeah, any thoughts on what to do about Colts backfield right now, Mark? Well, my, well, my move to make last week was to buy Jonathan Taylor and sell Zach Moss. So I, I definitely, you know, still lean that way. Um, I, I do expect Taylor to emerge a, a bit more in terms of snap share and rush attempts. I will say like, I, I think, this week showed that even if it's a 50 close to a 50 50 split in terms of snaps that more of the high value touches will go Jonathan Taylor's way. He saw all six carries inside the red zone and the lone inside five attempts for the Colts and Colts are still top five in pace. You know, they're, they're going to get a ton of plays off. They had a really low pass rate over expectation this week. So while I think Moss is, is still like in the RB three range and one of the league's best handcuffs at this point, if JT were to get, hurt again uh but i still do think yeah jonathan taylor locked in rb1 the rest of the way even though the snap share might not look amazing still at this point last one before we get to your questions jack i wanted to hit on deontay johnson's return so deontay johnson returned george pickens still made a big play you know i i it's hard to believe that deontay johnson can earn so many targets and still be so mid you know like his yards per target, his fantasy points per route run. It's just brutal, but the guy is such a good bet every week to catch somewhere between four and eight balls, right? And so it's hard. Now we have Pickens slightly ahead of Deontay still. I think you can make a viable case for either. I do think that Deontay's return is not a good thing for Pickens rest of season because, and I think I actually had Pickens as a sell on one of these shows somewhat, uh, recently, but because 
obviously Pickens' route tree is going to be different. Deontay is going to be in the middle of the field more, and just raw volume is going to be worse for Pickens when Deontay plays. But anyways, Jack, what do you think about how Deontay Johnson's return affects Steelers stuff rest of season? Yeah, I thought it was super encouraging um, that Pickens was still able to have a 32% target share in, in week seven while Deontay Johnson was running basically every route. I think he had 24 routes on 28 uh, Kenny Pickett dropbacks. So that's not like a 100% uh, role like we usually see for Deontay Johnson, but it's a pretty good one. You can't really say that he was limited. He still had a 24% target share and, and George Pickens still managed to have above a 30% target share. Um, so I, I think that is encouraging that maybe he won't just go back to this 15% target share exclusively running go routes all the time like we had seen in the past. Um, and, and maybe that Deontay Johnson's absence actually opened the eyes of the Steelers and showed that Pickens can do a little bit more than they had been trusting him in the past um, when Deontay was healthy. Um, I, I kind of think as long as Pat Frymouth is out, it's going to be just really concentrated around both of these guys and the running backs as well with uh, Jalen Warren and, and Najee. But I think both of these guys can post a 20% target share. And with Deontay um, being kind of the, the more PPR weapon and then George Pickens, if he's getting a 20% target share and still getting those downfield targets, that's a pretty valuable role. Um, so I don't know how far Kenny Pickett and the Steelers offense can carry them. But I think both of them are going to be pretty viable uh, fantasy weapons, especially with Fryermuth out. Yep. I think that's totally fair. All right. Let's get to some questions here. First question from Logan and appreciate you all sending them in on Twitter. Logan says, will Devante Adams rebound into a top five wide receiver again, or should I combo him with another player to acquire a stud? Well, we just touched on Devante Adams a little bit here around the trade deadline stuff certainly could get end up in a better situation. I would still call a trade unlikely, maybe 10, 15% to get traded, something like that. Um, but yeah, Mark, what do you think about this one? Would you be giving up Devonte Adams right now and another piece to get a stud? I think I'm still holding Adams. And when we look at wide receivers, like I, I do think Adams has a pretty elite upside just given his talent and, an elite target share in that offense. Again, still super concentrated. The last few weeks have, have looked bad with Brian Hoyer at quarterback and Jimmy G getting hurt, you know, mid game, the game before that. So I do, I do expect with Garoppolo back that that should help Devontae Adams be, you know, an elite wide receiver one. So um, I'm still holding out a little faith. Certainly the, the entire Raiders offense has been just a struggle to watch this year with their inefficiency. And um, I, I, you know, I'm hoping it gets better. Devontae is, Devontae and Jacoby, I, I certainly feel like still still solid about as weekly starts. Um, and I have I have Devontae on the team, and I'm I'm two and five, and like I've lost Je Justin Jefferson, Dev David Montgomery. I'm debating whether to try and trade Devontae. So I've thought about this a lot. I, I'm curious your guys' thoughts though on this because well, I might be a little take locked. From an, an inverse question here, related from Fast Moving Chevy says, "What are reasonable hauls for Tyreek Hill right now for a team light at running back?" So this is like the inverse. Let's say you gave up. Devonte Adams and a good running back, say someone like, I don't know, DeAndre Swift or maybe someone a little bit worse, you know, Mixon, Aaron Jones, Gibbs, something like that to get Tyreek Hill. That, that would kind of interest me to get, give up Devonte Adams and a running back to get Tyreek Hill right now. I mean, Tyreek Hill is literally unstoppable in every sense. So to me, that would be kind of what I'd be looking for if I was going to give up Devontae and something else to get someone really elite like Tyreek uh, Hill. Um, 
from MLB PMAL says, what's Austin Eckler's outlook rest of season? Will he be another guy who is limited the whole year by the high ankle sprain? Maybe trade him now, maybe for Jonathan Taylor. So I understand the concern here. We have a long history of guys who sustain high ankle sprains and never get right for the whole season. It's hard for me to say if that's the case with Austin Eckler right now. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't have much reason to say that beyond the fact that this dude is just like an outrageous gym rat and very smart guy who I don't think would come back before he's ready. But yeah, Jack, what do you think about all the Austin Eckler stuff right now? Would you trade him for Jonathan Taylor? I would not trade him for for Jonathan Taylor. I, I'd hold on to Eckler. Um, and I don't think it's like all, I think you definitely need to add like a real piece to Jonathan Taylor to get someone like Eckler. Um, there was some stuff a couple weeks before Eckler returned that he he could have potentially even returned earlier than he did. So I think that they were pretty cautious in making sure that he was back to 100% before they put him back out on the field. I know that he, he didn't have his usual receiving involvement um, from a target share perspective in their last game. But I, I think that Eckler is going to be fine rest of the season, and I'm not too worried about him. Yeah, I would agree there. Um, Michael says, Calvin Ridley, what do we do? So your only options if you have Calvin Ridley right now are sell low or ride it out. My lean is to ride it out, but there might be some people out there that might give you something for Calvin Ridley. I don't know. We actually, you know, we were like major outliers on this before the season. We had Christian Kirk very high in the rankings and Calvin Ridley not as high. I was worried about that take after week one when I had like zero Calvin Ridley in my best ball bags. I was afraid that he was going to shove it down my throat all year. We're back to a spot now where almost everybody now in consensus thinks Christian Kirk is the better option. But anyways, Mark, what do you think about if you have Calvin Ridley right now? It's tough. And and we had this discussion last week and I was still a bit more bullish on, on Calvin Ridley and had him above Kirk and you're the opposite and, and look smart uh, at this point. You know, I will say both Ridley and Kirk have have 12 targets each of the last two weeks. So it's not like Kirk has really separated all that much from a target perspective. I will note that um, and this has been <clears throat> highlighted a bit by Hayden Winks and Packerain that like targets over the middle of the field are a lot more efficient and better for fantasy uh, wide receivers just based on, you know, the ability to create yards after the catch. We saw that with Christian Kirk, you know, taking that five yard uh, catch in the slot and then, you know, bursting for 35 yards after the catch and scored and touchdown against the Saints, whereas Ridley is pretty much pinned against the sideline. So even if he catches the ball, like there's not much he can do after the catch to really separate and get more yards. So, um, you know, I, I, we dropped Ridley a lot in the rankings this week. I think he's probably more of like a wide receiver three. I do think at this point, he's probably a better real life wide receiver and more valuable to the Jaguars in real football than he is for us in fantasy football. But I, I don't, you know, I, I think, I, I think the whole industry is relatively down on him and, and like your league mates are probably down on him. So I would lean hold at this point, um, rather than sell low, but, um, yeah, that, yeah. that's my lean at this point. Yeah, we have Calvin Ridley down to 53rd overall. I think there's probably people out there who think he's even worse than that. And at that point, um, you know, you're not going to be able to get a deal done. So it's most likely uh, a hold there on him. Just to Mark's point about valuable targets over the middle of the field. I mean, Steph Diggs is in the slot a ton. Cooper Cup is in the slot a ton. Keenan Allen is in the slot a ton. Amon Ross St. Brown is almost exclusively in the slot. CeeDee Lamb's in the slot a ton. Puka Nakua is in the slot a decent amount. A lot of the best 
fantasy wide receivers are these big slot slot plus roles. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it makes so much sense. Why? A um, couple more questions here. Eric asks, where do you land on JSN versus Rasheed Rice rest of season? Imagine if MVS and Metcalf are out. I don't know why we're imagining if Metcalf is out. I think he's going to be fine. But anyways, Jack, what do you think about JSN versus Rasheed Rice rest of season? Yeah, I don't think MVS being out would really do all that much either, considering he's pretty much just doing cardio at this point. But I think Rasheed is probably um, the one I prefer just because he's proven to be actually successful at the NFL level so far, whereas JSN had that long touchdown uh, in week seven. Besides that, they they really haven't unleashed him so far. Rasheed Rice had a big uptick in playing time in week seven with Justin Watson out. Um, Watson will be back at some point. They added Nicole Hardman, but I don't really see how they can take Rasheed Rice off the field with how good he's been at earning targets and how good he's been um, at, at actually gaining yards with those targets, which is a lot more than you can say about what MVS and Sky Moore have done to this point. Michael says, Damian Pierce rest of season. The schedule is lightening up. Does he begin to return value as an RB2? Man, Michael, if someone could explain to me how Devin Singletary went from barely playing to playing ahead of Damian Pierce in the game before the bye, I would love to hear it. I currently do not know, which has left me in a paralyzed state here with Damian Pierce. But just the fact they were willing to do that in the game before the bye scares me. We have him down to 92nd overall. What do you think about Damian Pierce rest of season, Mark? You can easily tell yourself a story that that thing should get better. You know, the Texans offensive line uh, is getting healthier. They, they should be more successful. CJ Stroud, rookie quarterback coming out of his bye, should continue to play well. This offense should be decent. But then again, when you just look at how the backfield, you know, snaps and rush attempts have been distributed this season, it's it's hard to feel that excited about Pierce. I, th I think he remains in the RB2 conversation. And if Singletary were to get hurt or something, then maybe, you know, he could he could vault up into the top 15 running backs or even. Uh, but uh, I, I think, you know, and there's been comments from from the head coach there that they want to continue a, a running back by committee. And it, it's just it's just tough to realize that upside week in and week out if he's siphoning off, you know, 50 percent of his touches to Devin Singletary. So um, I, I think he's still in RB2 range, but yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's hard to get super excited about Pierce. Architect says he wants a ranking on the dust ball tight end. So he has Michael Mayer, McBride, Musgrave, Kincaid. How would we rank these guys? So to me personally, Kincaid is a cut above due, of all these guys due to the offense he plays in due to the injury Dawson Knox and the injury to Quinton. Morris Kincaid, I think will continue to have a really low a dot, but that doesn't mean that he can't be valuable because I mean, as you saw this past week, he can easily go out and catch eight balls for 60 yards. And that is an absolute smash at the tight end position. After that, I would, I think it's really close. I would probably have McBride there, but I'm like a McBride truther. And I do think that with Zach Ertz down and maybe getting traded, hopefully also I would have probably have McBride second. Between Mayer and Musgrave, I don't really have a take there. Jack, would you disagree with any of the rankings I had there? Again, I would have it Kincaid, McBride, and then probably Musgrave, then Mayer last. But I think Musgrave and Mayer are really close. Yeah, I was going to have it the same way with uh, Kincaid and then McBride. And then I might prefer Mayer over Musgrave. I mean, Musgrave has 
the ankle thing right now. I don't know if that could linger. The Packers are pretty conservative um, with, with injured players, as we've seen with Christian Watson and Aaron Jones this season. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree that Kincaid is a tier ahead of everyone else. And then the rest of them are kind of just, um, you know, hopeful, speculative breakout candidates. Interesting question. Last one we're going to do here from Sean says, would you still take Josh Allen rest of season over Lamar Jackson with the way Lamar and the Baltimore offense seems to be heating up right now? You know, to me, it's not about heating up. To me, it's that Lamar Jackson is running and Josh Allen is not. You know, they are not designing hardly any runs for Josh Allen. They've taken out a big part of his game. Now, Mark mentioned their defense. We talked about this yesterday with Silva. I mean, if Buffalo wants to win games, to me, they have to start letting Josh Allen run again. We do have Lamar Jackson two spots ahead of Josh Allen the rest of the season. Top 150 here, Mark. I think these guys are close. What do you think about Lamar versus Josh Allen rest of season? We we flipped Lamar ahead of Allen in the rankings this week, and I, I think that's correct, as you mentioned, just with the rushing ability Lamar gives you. And then, you know, we did see Baltimore have his, its highest pass rate over expectation this last week and open it up, and, and Lamar flourished. I mean, just absolutely destroyed the Lions. So I, I, I think it's I, I don't want to say it's easily Lamar, but that that would that would be my lean for sure. And, and you mentioned just the rushing for Josh Allen has not been there this year. He's like 20th among quarterbacks in designed rush attempts where Lamar is, you know, second uh, behind Jalen Hurts. So it's it's the, the rushing gap is enough to put Lamar ahead for me. All right. Wrap up here with our moves to make this week. I believe mine last week were by Devonta Smith, by Puka Nakua. I would stand by those. Jack, why don't you go ahead and lead us off here? I don't remember yours from last week. If you do, feel free to say them. If not, go ahead with yours for this week or your first one for this week. I am kind of forgetting what mine were uh, last week. But this week, my I'm going to do... I was going to do a sell low on Brian Robinson, but we already touched on that. And so I'm going to jump into another guy that we we just touched on and say add Trey McBride if you're needing a tight end with Zach Ertz um, going on injured reserve with his quad injury. McBride should step into in every snap or near every snap role for the Cardinals. Uh, Arizona has thrown to a tight end on 31.1% of their passing attempts this year. That's third in the league behind only the Falcons and the Chiefs. Um, so they are have very heavy tight end involvement. And so it, it seems like pretty simple logic that the every down tight end should get a pretty high target share there. Um, I don't think that he's going to be incredibly efficient, even though he he was a strong prospect coming out of college, just because a Josh Dobbs less led passing offense doesn't really lend itself to uh, hyper efficiency. But we saw Zach Ertz post really strong target numbers early in the season uh, before he started splitting time with Trey McBride. So I think that especially in PPR leagues, just as a volume play. Um, I know a lot of teams out there are, are hurting a tight end if you don't have one of the top four or five. So I think Trey McBride is going to be pretty viable for at least the next four games. And then, I mean, you know, we might not really see Zach Ertz come back to relevancy this year. So I'm going to say uh, go get Trey McBride. All right. Get Trey McBride. Mark, your first move to make of the week. Love that one from Jack. Just got to throw that out there first. Uh, my my first move is going to be to trade for Cowboys. And again, this is this is a move we've said a few times on the show and, and kind of hit on earlier. Just, you know, Cowboys post their buy. Um, I think C.D. Lamb and, and Dak Prescott are the two 
I'm looking to target the most. I, I do think Pollard is a decent buy low, but I think that's kind of the the common sentiment out there right now. So I think Pollard might be tougher to get. And the matchups look a lot more favorable for Dak and CD. They're currently both top five in Mike Clay's rest of season strength of schedule rankings at quarterback and wide receiver. Dallas is in terms of favorable matchups. And I mentioned their playoff schedule looks quite good as well for potential shootouts. So uh, I think now is a good time to buy CD Lamb and Dak Prescott. All right. I'm going to go with one that maybe is a bit uh, controversial here for my first one. I am going to go sell Saquon Barkley. I, I just don't have a good feeling that this Giants team is going to get into plus offensive environments very often. And Saquon Barkley is obviously very valuable because he has an outrageous role true three down plus goal line role, which we don't get that much in the NFL. But God, this offensive line concerns, quarterback play concerns, overall environment concerns. Just it scares me on Saquon and coming off of such heavy workloads that you get a lot for him right now. Someone was willing to give me like Devonta Smith and Jonathan Taylor for Saquon Barkley. um, I would take that. I would take that. And I understand that it's hard for a lot of teams to trade Saquon because people are so thin at running back, myself included. But if you could get a little bit less of running back and some more wide receiver help to go along with it or whatever you need to go along with it, I, I think that makes sense. Giants also face Saints at the Saints, at the Eagles versus the Rams during the fantasy playoffs. You know, not terrible, but certainly not soft. Jack, your second move to make this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do another ad. This one might pertain more to deeper leagues, but I'm going to say add Demario Douglas, um, the, the Patriots rookie wide receiver. He finally got more playing time last week, ran a route on 73% of Mac Jones dropbacks. Uh, that was his highest mark of the season. And, and really, it just comes down to him actually proving that he's been pretty good, whereas you can't really say that about many of the Patriots' other pass catchers. He's averaging 8.6 yards per target, which is pretty impressive considering Mac Jones uh, is averaging 6.6 yards per attempt. Demario Douglas is averaging uh, 0.25 targets per route run, so he's been successful at earning targets when he has been available. We saw the route uptick last week. Um, I I think there's a real argument that Demario Douglas is the Patriots' best wide receiver right now. I know Kendrick Sporn's been really good, but Demario has been more efficient. Juju Smith-Schuster has been really bad. Tyquan Thornton has been unable to get on the field. Devontae Parker has been pretty much the same player we've always seen. So, I mean, it's not the best passing offense for fantasy, but we saw him get a lot more playing time last week, admittedly, without Juju, and we saw him perform well. So I I think that he could really turn into a fantasy viable weapon over the second half of the year. I'm not worried about Juju, man. Guy can't play, you know, and Patriots are so desperate for playmakers right now. If Demary Douglas is going to go out there and make plays, he has to stick ahead of Juju. Just, I mean, has to. They would be absolutely incompetent if they started playing Juju over Pop Douglas. Mark, your second move to make and final move to make. My second move is going to be by Aaron Jones. And uh, this one scares me a little bit because Jones was pretty much a full fade for me coming into the season, uh, but Green Bay has already had their buy. They have a super soft schedule upcoming. And just kind of when we look at this offense, Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave both got banged up at the end of their last game this past week, kind of uncertain on if they'll play 
this week and with how erratic Jordan Love has been, I really do think Matt LaFleur is going to try and lean into this running game as much as possible to steady the offense and steady the young quarterback. And I think, you know, we we've identified the last few weeks that Aaron Jones is is the most talented player in this offense still. So while a 29 year old running back, you know, coming off a hamstring injury is, is a risky investment. I do think it's a high upside investment, especially when looking towards the fantasy playoffs, uh, they get a matchup against Tampa Bay at home in the first week of the fantasy playoffs, which is amazing. But then they get at Carolina, which has been the worst rush defense in the NFL this season. And then at Minnesota in a dome uh, in, in the fantasy finals, if you do make it to that point. So uh, I do think Aaron Jones is while risky investment is, is a good buy at this point. All right. I had a few ideas, you know, honestly, my first instinct was sell Adam Thielen, but if you were going to sell Adam Thielen, I, I think my point is that you need someone who is just has their head in the sand about Adam Thielen's previous um, underlying metrics and is only looking at this year, you know? And if you can get someone like that, there's a chance you could get like second or third round value for Adam Thielen. I, I would do that, but I don't want to just sell Adam Thielen to someone for the sake of selling Adam Thielen because, man, I mean, I don't think he's going to be as explosive as he's been, but I still think the volume is going to be there. So I don't want to go with that move. I, I think the move that I'm going to go with is add or buy Taji Spears. These kind of cheap moves that set me up to have a super team in the playoffs is kind of the way I like to think about these trades or ads at this time of year. And yeah, I don't think it's, overly likely that Derrick Henry gets traded, but I think it's at least possible. And if you combine that with Will Levis starts in a whole youth movement, you could see a ton of like wild garbage time games with Taji Spears getting loose down the stretch in a really big role. So I think taking some shots and trying to build a super team right now is really, really interesting. And so I'll go with add or buy Taji Spears. All right. Appreciate you all being here again. Reminder, if you're into the NBA, be sure to check out everything we have going on on that side. Weekly and monthly options are available for Jack, for Mark, for Producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.